Welcome to the Pet Care Report podcast by Pet Summits. Here's your natural dog healthcare host, Alora McKinley. Well, g'day guys. Welcome back to another episode of the Pet Care Report. Today we're going to be talking about something that has been used for centuries that has been really well researched in humans and in dogs, but it's still not greatly understood or utilized to its fullest potential. Now, what do you think that could be? Well, today we're going to be talking to Dr. Susan Bora. She's a holistic small animal veterinarian from California. She's trained and passionate about traditional Chinese acupuncture, herb and food therapy, witnessing the transformative effects of whole food meals on her patients. Dr. Boa founded Chi Dog, delivering fresh, balanced, cooked meals for dogs across the U.S., Now, Dr. Susan believes in an integrative approach to canine nutrition, living by the principle that food is the first medicine. Thank you so much, Dr. Susan. It's great to have you on today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me, Laura. Great to be here. And today we're going to be talking about food therapy. Now, can you explain the fundamental principles of food therapy? Yes. Food therapy is a discipline in traditional Chinese holistic medicine that's, you're right, it's been used for centuries. And it's the idea that food has an effect on the body the same way herbs do, the same way we see acupuncture affecting the body. It's used in that same way as sort of an extension of herbal therapy to see food as, you know, kind of the food that we, the the medicine that we take in every day, right? So it's trying to use that food more intentionally. So we'll think, we understand that certain foods warm the body, certain foods naturally cool the body, certain foods naturally moisten the body or help to drain toxins. So it's the I, it's the concept and the discipline of using food and what we eat um, to try to help benefit our body um, the same way that we'll use herbs um, or we'll use acupuncture. So it's really been something that I've um, been really uh, uh, amazed at the transformations that I, that I was seeing in my patients when we really started to use food intentionally. Yeah. And now we can use food therapy to treat a whole heap of um, conditions that we also use conventional therapies for as well, such as GI conditions, skin allergies, and other conditions. Can you go on about that? Yeah, I really wanted to. GI, we kind of makes sense to us to think that what we should affect our GI, right? That's kind of an obvious. Um, the idea of, of skin is something and how our food affects the health of our skin and for dogs and cats, the health of their coat is something that we as Western practitioners haven't really connected. We're just now beginning to understand the importance of like the GI microbiome and how that does affect your skin and coat, which is nice from a traditional Chinese medicine perspective, because we can, it's one of a connection that Western medicine is starting to make, whereas hol- chi- holistic Traditional Chinese medicine has always said that if you want to know the health of an animal or a person's uh, nutrition, you look at their skin, you know, or in dogs and cats case, their coat. That's really, we have a saying that if you want beautiful, uh, beautiful skin, you need beautiful blood. And that means nutrition. So we really look at the quality of our nutrition as important in both the skin and the coat, as well as sort of the more obvious things like your GI tract and chronic inflammatory conditions that we sort of are well studied in human medicine, that we understand that the quality of the food and specifically using, you know, and for dogs and cats, there's a lot of the majority of their food is processed, right? It's processed kibble, it's processed canned food, and processed food puts heat into the body. Um, high carbohydrate diets put heat into the body, or we'll say it in Western medicine, in, we'll call it pro-inflammatory, right? So it's kind of the same uh, same concept. It's the idea that if you eat um, Chinese medicine, we say hot and dry food or processed food, you end up hot and dry or have lots of inflammation. So intentionally using food that is clean, clean meaning real food. So cooked, 
whole food, like actual, whole, you know, food ingredients that are quality. Um, what we would, we would say we call it, you know, human grade or food that humans can eat. Using that as the basis of ingredients is very important. And it's kind of the premise of if you're going to look for a healthy GI for to decrease chronic inflammation in the body, for healthy skin and coat, you have to start with quality ingredients. You can't sort of kind of, you know, supplement your way out of, you know, poor quality, high processed food. And that includes, you know, prescription foods, to be honest, they're all processed. Mm. Now with food therapy, are we talking about like a particular ingredient or are we looking at a recipe as a whole? Like, how does that you can do both. I mean, as far as for a specific ingredient, we do think there are, especially for dogs, right? It's for dogs and for cats, they're, you know, they're a little, not, I don't want to say limited, but they're specific in the types of food they want to eat. So we can say, well, dandelion greens and radishes are great for that problem. But we have to find what would this species, you know, what's also species appropriate for this animal to eat, you know? So for people, we may want to have a salad, but for the dogs and cats, it's not quite what they, <laughs> so to get the same effect, you think of what specific food. So for example, in our cheat dog diets, we thought, okay, well, the turkey dog, Turkey as a whole food is naturally cooling to the body. So a lot of our chronic inflammation conditions, we benefit with turkey just as a single ingredient. Whereas our, um, like we, we can also use pork. Pork is a neutral ingredient. Um, but the nice thing from a Western medicine perspective is pork is often used for conditions of inflammatory bowel disease, um, food allergies, um, a lot of whenever we we're worried about an allergy, because pork is usually novel protein for most animals here in the U.S. and for other parts of the world as well. Just as a common protein, it's a protein that they have not commonly seen before. Um, so we use that as a whole food ingredient, albeit it's neutral. So you can build cooling ingredients to go with it. For example, we use the cooling ingredient barley to go with our pork diet so that we can kind of couple that and make it a little more anti-inflammatory. So we get the benefit of the novel protein, which is what Western medicine wants, and then also um, um, a cooling diet so we can get anti-inflammatory to benefit for a lot of these chronic inflamed GI conditions, a lot of these chronic skin conditions. So you can kind of build it either as a single food, like I know this single food is good, or, a, you know, even better would be a build a full recipe around it. You know, how can I really get, for example, we we'll use a lot of beef in high, when we want a real hydrating diet, and that can be for diabetics, for chronic dry cough, um, those chronic, even like dandruff, like anything's internal dryness will use, will think, how can I build a recipe around this uh, food that's great for dogs and cats to eat that's species appropriate that can also be beneficial for their body from a food therapy perspective and that they will like to eat. That's kind of, <laughs> we need to have that component in there. <laughs> and is there any limitations to food therapy? Can it be applied to every single dog or? Well, yeah. I mean, we try to, and that is the goal, right? That's the limitations just and specifically for dogs and for cats. Cats, more so than dogs, we worry about um, palatability. Do they like it? Because, you know, we can kind of say there can, you know, any person who's had a cat who could be a little bit, they tend to be more finicky. That is by their nature right? There's similar to horses in the sense that they can be more finicky and that's normal. That's part of their nature. Um, the other thing that we see is with dogs is that sometimes they'll have, and cats too, but we see, I clinically in practice, see it a lot with dogs that they'll have problems with, um, specific allergies or, or concerns of allergies. Sometimes we don't know hundred percent this dog is allergic to X ingredient, but we have a reason to be concerned about it. So we're probably not going to build that into a recipe. So we think about palatability. We think about allergy. Um, those are kind of the biggest limitations. And of course, species, right? We can't, we're not going to feed a dog a kale salad you know, for dinner. You know, it may be great for us, but for our, for our species, you know, we have high meat, you know, low carbohydrate. That's one of the tenets in, in food therapy um, related to species that we don't, that we try to 
I guess I'm going to be honest, but then we try to correct with that. We think the Western medicine diets can tend to be very high carbohydrate sometimes. So we really try to get a um, diet that's not quite so hard and high in carb. It's kind of one of the principles. And I, you mentioned that you use this in your practice quite a bit. Is there any examples that you could tell us about how food therapy has really changed a dog? Oh God. Yeah. There's so many that I, I would say routinely, I really should have taken a before and after picture, but I never want to jinx myself on the before picture. So I never do it. But then on the, when they come back and they're improved, you're like, Oh, I really, <laughs> um, yeah, we do. Sometimes I've had to use food therapy as the sole treatment when we don't have a lot of, of a lot of other options. I um, mean, that's kind of when it's really been, um, when I've really seen a, a, a dramatic improvement. For example, I had a dog who had gone to many, 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 uh, doctors trying to get a, a, a fair Really rare viral uh, uh, growth in the mouth that was fairly uncommon in our in our area in Southern California, and they'd gone to do- I mean just tried therapy after therapy, Western, Eastern, mostly Western. They'd kind of gone through the gamut of all the pharmaceuticals, and this dog was not one that I could do acupuncture on because it wasn't amenable to that. I didn't really want you getting that close to it, um, and we also had some limitations with some of the some of that because it was an oral problem. So the client honestly had problems putting things in the mouth for this dog. So the only thing we have is food. So we just said, okay, we're going to do, and this is before we formulated our diets, we did a lot of home cooking. So I said, okay, let's just, let's try a home cooking diet. That's, that's all we got. You know, this is, this is going to be a food therapy case. And uh, so that was the only change we were able to make. And that dog, you know, recovered in months. I mean, resolved like, you know, so things like that, that kind of go, you know, it's the eye openers, but then more consistently on a daily basis, what I really try to focus on is especially when we have a dog who's got a problem with their food, because that's a problem that that owner and that dog deal with deals with every day right? It's not something that you can just come in next week. If they're not eating, that's a problem this morning. That's a problem tonight, you know? So we really focus on what I've seen consistently is when we allow that dog who's not eating, or maybe they're eating and they're having GI upset, or maybe they're, you know, they're not, not gaining weight or they're, or they're getting too much weight, you know, anything that has to do with, with, with sort of obvious with food. Those are the diet. Those are the dogs that we always start with food therapy. I mean, we've got it, especially if they're on a processed kibble diet, whether it's prescription even if it's, you know, quote unquote, you know, the really high, you know, really high end or expensive, you know, because they've got a lot of marketing behind them, those type of diets, we got to get them off the, the, the kibble, right? We got to get them on real food. And so that we're doing routinely on a daily basis. So a lot of our pancreatitis dogs, I've seen incredible improvements, inflammatory bowel disease dogs, even like liver enzyme dogs where, they're at, where their liver enzymes are elevated. And so we're focused on the liver as an organ. If we couple that with a chronic, with an anti- sort of, I think of it as an anti-inflammatory diet, which would be a cooling diet, right? So we'd try to do like a turkey-based diet or a pork-based diet if we're coupling it with some some uh, other cooling ingredients along with that. Even a beef-based diet that we're coupling with some cooling ingredients, then we can really see some improvements. But I think the biggest take-home is allowing our dogs to eat food, you know, good quality food can be a major change in the way in their health, right? You know, both preventative medicine as well as turning around chronic inflammation. And that's that's what I see on a daily basis in practice. Yeah. And I think it's it can be particularly hard for pet parents because a lot of vets are hesitant about a fresh food diet. So from a perspective, how can they approach this? Well, it's not nice, but the 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 obvious is when your dog is having a problem right? Because it is scary, right? And we are all very, just like our, you know, we're all very attached to our food. It can be very personal, has a lot of history, especially if it's, you know, this diet worked for so many years and now it's not working. I see a lot, I see that a lot with raw food diets because in 
And we explain that with holistic medicine and Chinese medicine. We say raw food is great when you're very strong and healthy. So that dog has got, you know, plenty of cheat, right? They're, cause they're cooking that diet. They they eat the raw food. They feel good. They're cooking it in their body using their own cheat. And then they're using that for energy. When they start to get a little bit imbalanced and that can be just aging, that could be a dog who's, you know, littermate does great on raw food, but they don't, you know, they have their chi is not quite as strong. Those dogs need to be switched off. So that can be an example of, the dog, the diet did well for a long time and now it's not. And so it's hard to move and it's, you know, it's unnerving, but the biggest change is when the dog's not doing well, you know, I'd love to see them when they're puppies. And I love that because then we can think, awesome, let's, let's not put a bunch of inflammation into your body with food. Let's keep you with a clean diet. But when the, it as far as transitioning, I would say if your dog's not enjoying their food, not benefiting from their food, having chronic GI problems or skin problems, you, you know, you, you need to, you need to, to try something different. And that's usually when we try to go to a whole food and that can be really, really rewarding when you're able to give them something that they love in their bowl. I mean, sometimes it's just as basic as that, you know, that they actually, you know, eat it well, feel good and you can see some benefit and you, you do. I mean, I'll tell clients as far as when to see changes or how to see changes, skin and coat and it's sort of the subjective um, things like, how does my dog feel? How are they moving? You know, how do they, do they seem more energetic? Those are very subjective. Um, but those changes I routinely see in, you know, a matter of a week or two, you know, just like us, I'm sure, you know, Laura, you eat, you eat something good for lunch. You feel good, right? <laughs> if we eat something that we know we shouldn't, if we eat French fries and cake, you know, it wouldn't feel so good that afternoon. <laughs> you know, it does, it does take a, take a, um, it doesn't take long. Yeah. And do you find that food therapy, sometimes you can wean your patients off traditional Western medicine? Does it ever take? Oh yeah. I would say, yeah, that's always the goal, right? We'd always want to get them balanced enough to where we can sort of what we say, we want to age gently, right? We're all going to age, we want to age in a balanced way. And that's the heart. That's the trick, right? Um, I would say if we have, there are some conditions and when I say those, some conditions, the goal for things like pancreatitis, um, things like inflammatory bowel disease, um, a lot of our chronic, uh, inflammatory conditions, we can often get them off of, but it depends on the dog, depends on the dog, depends on how, how imbalanced they are, other complications. You know, I, usually I start with the goal of let's make this patient better, right? So it's not, we're never saying let's take all the pharmaceuticals and, you know, we don't need those or none of that. It's always let's add with food therapy, especially if we're not starting with a, um, with a, with a clean, real food diet, you know, if we're not already, if the dog's already on that, the nice thing is I'm always thinking, great, I can bring more to this, right? You're like, you got your pharmaceuticals, you've got your very important herbs and your acupuncture. And those are all really important pieces of health. But man, if we're not starting with a, with a clean diet underneath to be, to be the foundation, you're, we're, it's just, you know, you're, it's just not going to be as, it's going to be a lot more difficult. So if I can get them on a real food and, and particularly a food based on food therapy. So we're going to use specific, for example, uh, chicken is a great gentle, gentle meat, right? For most dogs and cats, it's, it's, we call it a chi tonic. It's very gentle to the body, but it can be a little warming. So if we have a dog who's got a lot of inflammation, we probably wouldn't pick that. You know, if we could pick a turkey, which is also lean like chicken, you know, we might start with that. So there are some, so if we can kind of be intentional with the food um, and get them on a diet that benefits their chronic condition. And I have like for on our website, we have all kinds of lists of different conditions and the different um, whole food ingredients that we use. That can be a starting place that we really try to get them to see that improvement um, and, and, Ideally, if it's a condition that we can get them off pharmaceuticals, that's that's the goal. I shouldn't say it's the goal. That would be an added benefit. The goal is a dog who feels good, right? Or a cat who feels healthy. That's the goal. 
is food therapy the kind of thing where a pet parent can do half kibble and half a fresh food diet? Yeah, I mean, it's just like us. You know, I could eat French fries and that's all for lunch, or I could do half French fries and half a salad, right? And that would probably be a better choice, right? So there is, it's not like you can have to do an all or nothing. And some dogs, you know, I'm sure um, you've talked to a lot of pet parents who have dogs who are very sensitive, right? Very sensitive GI, lots of history of issues, a microbiome that we know is really out of, is really out of whack. And we need to, that one might, you might go baby steps, right? So we're not going to, you know, and we're definitely not going to do the, um, Back when I was in school, it was, there was a lot of that. Well, I mean, the dog will eventually eat. You know what I mean? That kind of, you know, that kind of tough love approach. Eventually, we'll just put it down and one day they're going to, those kinds of things. We, we never, you know, we gentle, right? This dog does want to eat. They do want to feel good in their stomach. They do want to be healthy. So even if we have to do a half kibble, half whole food, that is so much better than all kibble. You're at least getting some of that real food nutrition. And, and the, you'll see it. Um, mostly because you're going to see improvements in what, what Western medicine, we think of all, like hydration. You know what I mean? We'll see that, that people will talk about my dog doesn't drink so much water now that they're on a real food diet or even half of uh, half and half. That's because they're getting more hydration from their whole food, you know? So you'll see some changes, even if you're doing half kibble and half and half home cooked, that's still such an improvement. The dog will, and, and just from a, as a pet parent, I'm sure, you know, I mean, how happy would the dog be <laughs> to get, to get some real food? Cause they're going to get real nutrition out of that. Yeah. And is food, fit, is food therapy the thing that is only used as a treatment? Can we use it as a preventative as well? Yeah, that's a really good question. We use it all day long as a preventative. And, and the beautiful thing is when we, and I, when I started practicing and we would see these perfectly balanced, perfectly healthy dogs, you know, puppies and kittens, and their coat is gorgeous and their eyes are bright and their, their muscle is, and they just, look, you know, they're just perfect, right? We always thought, okay, we, you know, gee, it'd be great just have that animal stay that perfect. And then when I would see them when they're five and they're 10 years old and, you know, their skin, their skin is bad and their coat is dull and they're kind of pot bellied and they're tired. I just, I honestly just thought that was aging. Um, I didn't identify that that was a lot of impact of food and chronic inflammation from a pro-inflammatory diet, a processed food until I started doing food therapy. And then I start to see these, these puppies as they grow look better. I mean, just frankly, look better, feel better when they're five, six, 10 years old. And I started to realize that this is, this is really the change in what we can see from, from a food perspective. So think about how to use it as a preventative. You know, you can get, you, we, we do have in traditional Chinese medicine specific constitutions and that we identify. And usually those are kind of similar to breed. Um, you know, like all our little, not all, but most of our little Yorkies and Chihuahuas are fi- tend to be fire diet person, fire personalities. And our, our, you know, our giant breeds tend to be water. So those can, so then if you want to get really specific, especially if you have a pet parent who has a holistic um, trained or Chinese medicine trained veterinarian, they can identify this is the perfect type of constitution and diet for your healthy puppy. But in general, overall, just keep them off processed kibble and on real food and you'll, you will get that preventative you know, that we're all looking for to keep them perfect when they were, you know, when they, like when we got them. <laughs> and I love that you mentioned puppies because a lot of people think that, you know, my dog has to be raised on kibble because it says it's a puppy kibble and it's, you know, it's made just for them. Is there an age that you can start or can you start? Yeah. Weaned. I mean, weaning, you know, a lot of times when, and, and but it has to be balanced, right? That's the big, right. It has to be balanced. So we all love home cooking, but it has to be balanced and balance can be, I, I don't want to say it's, it's not, 
it, it, it can be complicated if you have no, um, if you don't have a veterinarian to support you. So I would say always get a, you know, holistically trained veterinarian or veterinarian who's trained in clinical nutrition who can at least help with balance of a diet. Um, the alternative, the, the sort of the, the shortcut way is to take a, um, a, you know, like a pre-prepared, you know, real food diet that was cooked and shipped, you know, like the Chiago, the other diets, but, um, whenever we have, uh, but there are, there are, some of those diets are balanced for puppies and some of them are not, um, ours is. And the, the thing that you want to look for is something called af- in, in, in the U S they call it, um, all life stages, which is the name for puppies and adult dogs. It's a calcium phosphorus balance that that's in, and some other things, but that's kind of the main one. But, um, I would tell you that, yes, you can, that you're right. It's a misconception that puppies have to eat kibble. And then they have, and then they can go to something else. You can balance a whole food diet for a puppy. It's either with a nutritionist, a veterinarian involved, or using a pre-made diet that specified to be okay for puppies. So it's not, you know, can, you can make it complicated or you can make it easy. Mm-hmm. And in your clinic, what do you think the biggest misconception is about fresh food feeding? Is there something that stands out to you? <sighs> My dog never gets table scraps. <laughs> That's and I and it breaks my heart because I was taught the exact same thing many years growing up, you know, growing up and then in vet school and and being trained and 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 you know through my internship and we were that's what we were taught, you know, and I believed it because I was that was all it was taught. It wasn't until until I became trained in traditional Chinese medicine and realized you could feed dogs food, you know. That's you know, and there's honestly, and in the U.S., there's actually been they're just now starting to do some studies that show that dogs can and cats can eat. Food. Like that's where we're at. It's very, you know, so it's, it's heartening to know that there's an, not an alternative, but a, another approach, right? So traditional Chinese medicine understands things in a different way. And food therapy is a discipline. You know, there's, there's textbooks, there's, 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 you know, I mean, there's a real, a, a real um, uh, body of evidence for this. Um, so it allows um, veterinarians who are trained in it and also pet parents who are, who are interested in it to be able to understand food from a different perspective. Because honestly, if we're waiting for, you know, the big cable companies to, to tell us we're going to wait a long time. <laughs> so they can eat food, but you're right. But, but the, the, the puppy should not, you know, the, just like we should not have potato chips and French fries all day long. Neither should our dog. You know what I mean? We should eat something healthy and so should they. So I would say the best thing to do would maybe just to start somewhere easy scramble an egg, you know, and share a little bit with your dog because that's, it's a, it's a low fat, natural fat, you know, natural protein. Um, and so it's, it's, it's a perfect balance. We call it in Chinese medicine, we call it the, you know, it's got yin and yang, right? So yet, you know, yolk and white. Um, and that can be just it's healthy for us. It's healthy for them. Yeah. Yeah. And so for pet parents that are wanting to transition, should they just start adding, like you mentioned, an egg and some a few ingredients or should they go to a pre-made? Where should they start? Depends on the dog, right? Um, I, what I often, t- when I have clients who are very, who have a dog with a lot of issues, right? So just to jump to the hard ones, which are like, you know, the GI history of lots of problems. Um, especially if they, if they say, okay, well, I'm going to order, I'm going to have you deliver, you know, the cheat dog diet to us. And I'll say, okay, great. If you want to start, you know, tonight, right? This afternoon, right? The protein that you ordered. So if they ordered, cause we don't, we do single proteins in our diets because I don't want to, I want it to be, very simple on the GI tract. And then if we have dogs who are doing great, yeah, then we can do custom orders and one of these, one of these, and you know, that kind of stuff. But to start simply for G- for dogs who are having issues or they're very, um, they're very senior, they're very deficient. If they had problems, start with one. And maybe, so if they order the turkey diet, I would say take a little ground turkey, 
you know, cook it on the stove and just, you know, a little bit of oil or butter, whatever you use. Don't obviously we don't want to make it a lot, a little, right? Just like you would try to make when you're making something healthy for yourself and then add that how much a little, you know, to the diet and kind of slowly, that can be a way to transition them um, as slowly over time and just kind of start, start some start. But I would say start with one, whether it's an egg or maybe it's a little bit of sweet potato. The only thing I would caution is sometimes when we tend to think, let's get healthy with food from a, from a human perspective, we think let's eat lots of vegetables, right? So we think let's carrots, you know, celery, you know, (laughs) you know, green beans. So, and those can be good sometimes, but they are different in our stomach. So a dog who's a sensitive dog, I wouldn't be like, let's give him a whole bunch of raw green beans because you know, when you eat those, it's just, it feels different, right? You're, you're, you're metabolizing. It's not quite as gentle as if you had like a raw carrot is not as gentle as a cooked carrot, right? So that's kind of the, you know, start with one, think of gentle. That would be kind of my, my principles. And I think too, I saw something funny the other day. Someone was transitioning to a fresh fruit diet and they'd cooked up some sausages on the barbecue and given them dogs some sausages. So we're talking about whole food, but we were not talking about just adding another. Yeah. Maybe not, maybe not pepperoni. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It is. It is. It's, it's a, I, I think as, you know, as close to something real as we can get. So I, you know, ground, we use ground meat just because we have lots of small mouth dogs. So a three pound chihuahua needs to have a very small, you know, so we use brown meat, um, but bigger dogs can have bigger, but you're right. Yeah. Probably not processed meat. <laughs> That's kind of defeats the purpose. <laughs> so for our pet parents that are listening today, what is something they can take away from this? If you can just one thing that stands out, put some real food in your dog's bowl. You know, one, start with one and then, you know, and slowly, but it's, it's the concept that the idea of, you know, I never, they never, we used to, we were trained all of us, you know, a generation of, you know, they don't get table straps. If it's healthy food for you, it's healthy food for your dog. Um, and starting slowly and because I see daily the benefits of dogs who can get on real food diets and off processed food, just like us, right? We all know that processed food is pro-inflammatory. It works for all species. And how about vets? Because I know sometimes they can be a bit hesitant towards a fresh fruit diet. What would you say, say to vets listening? Well, I think, I, I think there's, we're, we as, you know, both, um, you know, as a community and it's sort of as a discipline are starting to sort of realize that there are some alternatives probably to just process dry bags of kibble. Um, and, but, but you're right, how to move or where to move is more intimidating. Um, that's why I would encourage veterinarians to get trained in some integrative medicine, right? Cause food therapy is a concept that is not, um, that foreign, um, when, and it's, it's can be something that can be brought in to every patient, um, to their therapy. Um, so that would be the, the, the first thing I would think about is knowing that there isn't another, another way to approach food. We're not kind of off doing something that is, um, antithetical to, to, to medicine, to, veter- to veterinary medicine. We're just using kind of an Eastern approach rather than a Western approach and still using all the benefits of Western medicine. But when it comes to food, realizing that we probably need to look for a less inflammatory, um, and 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 I what I be honest with you what I see a lot of when I talk to veterinarians is you know we are a pretty hesitant group so they'll usually start with their own dog <laughs> that makes anybody feel any better vets almost always start with their own dog see it but you know and then they get a little more right that's just what I've seen from my veterinary friends <laughs> yeah that is so great thank you so much that was really interesting today to learn yeah, about thank you. therapy. And if our listeners want to find out more, um, is there a website they can go to? 
Yeah, they can look. We have all our whole food ingredients listed um, on chidog.com. It's C-H-I-D-O-G. We also deliver those meals across the U.S. So for anybody in the United States, we can deliver anywhere um, those meals. Um, but if you're outside of the U.S. or you just want to sort of check out the idea of whole foods, and we do have lots of lists of chronic um, conditions that our foods benefit um, from, based on traditional Chinese medicine. And so they can kind of look at the ingredients and just kind of think of, you know, kind of think about maybe using one or two of them in their dog's bowl. Yeah. And definitely finding a holistic vet. If you're not in the U.S., you can find find a holistic vet. Yes, that would be if you really want to, to do to do a whole food diet, but aren't in the U.S., then that would be the definitely way to go because you'll be able to find a veterinarian who supports you in that. Yeah, that's great. Well, we'll put um, a link to Chi Dog on our show notes so everyone can go there. It would be nice and easy. And if you enjoyed today's episode, you can follow and subscribe and even leave a review if you found something in this interview particularly helpful. It just helps us to reach some more pet parents. And I'll join you next time for another episode of the Pet Care Report. 